0: Morning, Church. So good to see you. I'm thankful for the opportunity again today to be able to finish up a series that we started last week just called Simple. And remember, last week we talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the simpleness of the fact that Jesus gave himself, stood in our place, and gave himself for us, voluntarily gave himself for us. And so today I just want to build on that with what does our lives as believers look like. The transformation that Jesus made when He died on the cross of Calvary gave us power to live our lives in the Holy Spirit, which is so downplayed and downtrodden today in the church. And so today I just want to highlight that, and I want to talk to us just for a few minutes about what it means to walk in the Spirit. Oswald Chambers, who was a 20th century Baptist minister, had this quote about what our lives should look like in Jesus. It says, What shines forth and reveals God in your life is not your relative consistency to an idea of what a saint should be, but your genuine living relationship with Jesus Christ and your unrestrained devotion to Him, whether you're well or sick. So our lives with Jesus are not just about one-time event that happened in the history of our lives. Our our lives with Jesus are a continual walk with Him and a continual development and transformation of who we were into what He is making us. And He empowered us with something called the Holy Spirit, which allows this to happen in our lives. So the, the simple truth of a walk with Jesus is that your life reflects who He is inside of you. And that you bear His characteristics. So there's something to that and it's something I want to look at today. And look how our lives cannot be transformed like they need to be if we don't choose daily to surrender ourselves to who He is. Remember in Romans chapter 8, we highlighted Romans chapter 8 last week, talked about that. And the build-up to this verse I'm going to read to you is just this adverseness of the flesh and the spirit. And so Paul uh, lists out here in his letter to the Romans how... Um, you know, the, the the flesh is this, but the spirit is this. And, and you're of the flesh, if you're this, but the spirit inside of you makes this. And he concludes this, or he highlights this in verse 9, where he says this to believers. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but are in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not dwell. Belong to Him. Now look, that ought, to, that ought to penetrate our hearts this morning. It ought to convict us this morning of how we're living our lives. Remember, he says here, you're not of the flesh anymore if you've been born into the family of God. Have, have you guys ever noticed that sometimes, and maybe this is true in your life, sometimes it's true in mine, but but if you ever have a situation where you have Christians and non-Christians or believers and non-believers that are interacting with each other that sometimes it is difficult to make a distinction of which is which. A quote one time that said that the church has become so worldly and the world has become so churchy that you can't tell the two apart. Unfortunately, that's pretty accurate. And so we're at this point, kind of this crossroads in our walk with Jesus and in our, our stance as Christians today where we have to make a choice of how we're going to live. Are we going to live the sold-out, devoted life to Jesus where we abandon ourselves and abandon all the things that the flesh craves or are we going to sell out and walk in the way of the world? Notice these situations where you have Christians and non-Christians that are interacting with each other. And sure, the, the Christians may be a little more morally intact, or they may, um, they, they may be a little nicer from time to time. But is that really all that the Holy Spirit came to do in our lives? Is to make us just a little nicer, a little more morally intact? Shouldn't the evidence of His presence be in all that we do? In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is telling the Galatians here what the Christian life should look like. He's telling us here what it should represent and how it should be um, interpreted and viewed from an outsider's perspective. And so here in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says this in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And he has this exhaustive list here. I'm going to run through them real quick. This exhaustive list of things that are driven for the flesh. He says, The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. There's sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I love how Paul just lists out this exhaustive list of things that the flesh represents. And then he says, and things like these. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he gives us an alternative. And he tells us what our lives as believers, our lives as Christians, our lives as followers of Jesus Christ should represent and the characteristics that we should bear. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Hold on to that. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Back up really quickly to verse 24. He says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Can I tell you this this morning? That the Bible tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is no condemnation, but there is expectation. Oh, dear goodness. There is not condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but I will tell you per the mouth of Jesus himself in the scriptures, there is expectations associated with being a believer and a follower. Of Jesus Christ. Now we understand this is not easy, right? This is extremely difficult. You can look at the list of the fruits of the spirit there and understand that none of us are fulfilling those. I want to talk a little more in detail about them in just a few minutes, but but you understand that this is a difficult thing, and we understand that it's difficult. Even Jesus said this about his boys that were in his inner circle. Jesus had three guys that he trusted with everything. I tried to think of something to call him that was really hip and cool, like squad or his homies or something like that. But you remember, I I've apparently overstepped my bounds in trying to be cool. Because last week I said, you know, something about something being a hot mess. You remember that? And I said, hey, guys, if you don't know what that means, just turn around to your teenager and ask them. Well, apparently one of the moms did that, and a teenager said, nobody says that. <laughs> I, I never wanted to be that guy, you know, but I'm, I'm that guy. Okay, so I'm just going to call them, they're his inner circle. Okay, I'll use the adult term. They were his inner circle. They were the ones that Christ trusted the most of anyone that he was around. And he pulled them into him in a time of torment in his life, in a time of grueling agony in his life. He pulled them in a little closer to him. He put them in a place and he said, God, stay here and pray for me as I go a little further and pray more. And he came back and they were asleep. You remember this? He said, hey, wake up. Pray for me. He went back and he came back. They were asleep. And he said these words in in Matthew 26, the second part of verse 41. He said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There is this daily battle that has taken place inside of you and inside of me. And it's happened constantly in our lives where the Spirit is urging us, is trying to push us into a walk of who Jesus wants us to be and trying to transform us into who Jesus himself is. But the flesh is constantly tugging at us pulling us back and saying, no, 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 gratify yourself, gratify your wants, do the things you want to do, you deserve this, you earned this, do all the things that you want to. They are constantly at odds with one another, battling daily within you. So we know it's not an easy feat. We know this is not uh, something easy to accomplish, but we also know know that through Jesus it is doable. Amen? It is absolutely doable. Look, if, it's not often that we're hearing sermons on the Holy Spirit. It's not often that we're hearing teaching on the Holy Spirit. It's void today. But it is the key component to us being transformed into who Jesus is. We cannot do it outside of the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit is being neglected in our churches and in our lives, is it any wonder that we don't look much different from the rest of the world? Too often we work in our own strength to be the kind of people who stand out. Too often we, we try, to, try to manipulate this thing ourselves. But don't it strike you odd? In that passage in Galatians there where it says that these things are fruits of the Spirit. And then we try to rely on ourselves to produce these things. We try to rely on ourselves to produce love and and patience and kindness. No wonder we fail so miserably at it. No wonder we can't get our heads or our hearts around it. Look again at uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh it's a key answer to our lives as believers walking as Jesus intended for us to walk I mean how many of us today if we could stand in here and say there's a sure fire answer to not sinning every day of your lives I know we sin in thought and, and anytime that our ideas and our minds and our hearts don't line up with exactly who Jesus are we are sinning amen And I understand that. But what if somebody stood before you today and said, hey, guys, there's an answer to that. There's an answer that keeps us moving more and more to who Jesus has created us to be, who God has created us to be. And that answer is given to us through his death on the cross. And it is the Holy Spirit indwelling us and bubbling out of us because he is transforming us. If somebody gave you that clear-cut answer today, would we not wrap our hearts and our arms around it and say, yes, I embrace that? Somebody came in and stood before us today and said, hey, guys, I have the cure for cancer. I have it right here. If you want to know how to cure cancer, you come up to me after the service, and I will tell you how many of you would not stay after and come and ask, how do I cure cancer? If you're saying, "I don't really care, you're lying. Because either you are affected by it or somebody that you love is. It's the same thing here. Christ is the answer to the sin that's in our lives, but the Holy Spirit is the answer to the transforming abilities of what Jesus is doing in us. Perhaps we've gotten so caught up in trying to live the Christian life that we've overlooked the source. Perhaps we've gotten so wrapped up in trying to make it look appealing to ourselves and to others that we've overlooked the source of what encourages us and, and empowers us to do that. Perhaps we've lost focus on who the Holy Spirit is. One of the simple truths of the Christian life is this. Life change comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, Ephesians chapter 3, as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus here in verse 20, he says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, According to the power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Can I go back and and just reiterate there the importance of what he says. He says, first of all, Paul says, To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we think or ask. How many of y'all know this? That God knows the absolute best plan for your life. We hear that all the time, right? God has a plan for you. God knows the, he knows the best for you. We say that all the time, right? But then we don't trust Him to eradicate these things out of our lives. We don't trust Him to take the sin and the flesh that so uh, tugs on us and pulls on us and tries to hold us held captive. We don't trust Him with taking that away. And yes, it was condemned to the cross. Yes, it was crucified once for all. We understand that. But there's still expectation with your life. There's still expectation for what God has chosen for you. And the expectation he has for your growth in who Jesus is. For, for, for him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. And then he gives again the answer here. According to the power of God. At work within us. What is that? Just our self self-help books? That's our own our own desire, right? It's 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 coming to church and just and hearing a word and being like, Woo! Fired up today, and then tomorrow you forgot whatever was said. Is that what it is? Is that the power that's at work within us? Little, little encouragement in the mornings, I can do this today. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Is that what it is? No, it's the Holy Spirit alive and well in our lives. It's working within us. It should be working to transform us. If I ask you this morning, everybody would say amen. Are you in belief that Jesus has the ability to do abundantly more than you can think or ask? Everybody in the church would say amen, but yet our lives don't demonstrate that yet we want to try to take control of certain situations. Oh, I know that I need to be doing that. Lord, I know you're leading me there, but I find it far more popular if I do this. I find it far more acceptable if I do this. I don't run into discouragement if I do this. I don't run into hurdles if I do this, but Jesus, the whole time is leading you through the Holy Spirit this way, and we're choosing the entire time to go this way. If we truly believe that, then I'm asking you this morning to consider that Jesus has given us this power to conquer the flesh and is the Holy Spirit. Can I just quote this for you? You may want to write this down because it's good if I say so myself. The effectiveness of the life that you live in society is solely dependent on the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit in your life. The effectiveness of the life that you live in society for Jesus, this life that you have chosen to live for Jesus, the effectiveness of that is solely dependent on the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit working in your life. So Paul gives us these lists of things that are part of the flesh, these these things that are fleshly, these uh, drunkenness and idolatry and and envy and strife and orgies and all these things he lists out, this exhaustive list of things that he lists out in the Scriptures. And he says, you are not to be associated with those things. That is not what defines you as a believer, but these are the things that should define you as a believer. And then he lists these things out. Amen. Can I just tell you that if you want to be humbled in your walk, you take a few minutes to read this list and see if you're embodying these things. Let's look at them together. These are the things we should be producing as believers on a daily basis. Love. Oh. That's hard enough, isn't it? It's hard enough to do that with the people that we claim we Love. But he says that we're to love. And remember, Jesus put a, hu- a whole new spin on that. He, he upped the ante, if you will. Remember, Jesus said, don't just love the people that love you in return. But love your enemies. Oh, oh, we're to love. And he says we're to have joy. Well, this is another crippling one. Listen, I, I get really, really upset sometimes. When I look and we have believers, people who are followers of Jesus Christ, walking around beaten down, defeated, like they are just like they're the scum of the earth. Can I tell you this morning that we have been given victory through the work of Jesus on the cross to live lives of conquerors? The Bible says that we're more than conquerors. Y'all are not amen enough. The Bible says we're more than conquerors through Jesus. We should be excited about that. Listen, we shouldn't walk around full of, of hatred and discouragement and feel like we're beat down and we're burdened and hindered by everything that Christ has asked us to do. No, we should be joyful in the fact that we are made new through him. Yeah. Love and joy. And then he says, peace. Man, these are all tough, aren't they? And he says this one that I'm especially good at. And... Uh, If you want to know how good I am, you ask my wife, all right? But then he throws this one out there, patience. Y'all, I stink at patience. I'm just telling y'all. I stink at patience, all right? I go to a restaurant, it will be a 30-minute wait. Nope, I'm out. Go to the fast track at the beach, 20-minute wait in line. Nope, I'm out. Somebody's driving slow in the passing lane. Get out of the way. I'm terrible at patience. All right. And he says kindness. I'm apparently also terrible at that. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. These are the things that the Spirit is supposed to produce in our lives daily. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And how many of us, if we're being honest, can say, yes, that is all that just comes out of me. Man, I just exude those things on a daily basis. Man, every day of my life, people know that I'm a follower of Jesus because these things just bubble out of me. None of us can say that. But can I tell you that if we're still in the same place we were when Jesus saved us and we're not growing, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to develop us and sanctify us as He is called to do. And we shouldn't be content with just saying, I stink at patience. I shouldn't be content to say that, but every day I should be begging God, God, would you please, please help me. To be more patient. God, I understand that when I walk into a restaurant and they have empty tables and they tell me it's going to be a 30 minute wait, that, that may be you helping me with my patience. But apparently, that's not an effective method of teaching me because I still stink at it. Does that not drive y'all crazy? Empty tables right there in the doorway, it's going to be a 30 minute wait. Can I not sit there? I digress. But how many of these are we producing daily? Maybe. Doctrinally speaking, we get it. We come to church, we send a message like this, or we say, well, Yeah, that's a good idea, man. We should, we should really be running through that list. You know, we should, we should on a daily basis be loving and be joyful and kind to people, and generous, and all these things. How many of us are, are, from a practical standpoint, really wrapping our head around this and beginning to, to evolve in what Jesus has called us to? Can the world see a difference in us? I don't really think they can. I think we've, we've come to a point where it's hard to make a distinction there. Let me tell you a little something called the caterpillar experience. I think this is really cool. It says, for all of a caterpillar's life, it crawls around on a small patch of dirt and up and down plants. Then one day it takes a nap, a really long nap, and then can you imagine what goes through its mind when it wakes up to discover it can fly? What happened to its dirty, plump little worm body? What does it think when it sees its tiny new body and its gorgeous wings? I mean, some of us wish we could do this, right? Take a nap and just all of a sudden we look really good. We're really pretty. I mean, Lord have mercy. mercy. I, I take a nap and wonder how in the world I can get up from the nap, right? But as believers, we are to experience this same kind of astonishment. When the Holy Spirit comes and begins to develop us and change us from the inside, it makes us into who Jesus was. And we should embrace that and embody that and be astonished by that, about the power of it because this is constantly transforming us. Listen, the Bible says that when we give ourselves to Jesus, we are a new creature. I mean, how can we, how can we hear that? We're a new creature, and we're okay with just staying in our grubby little worm bodies, still crawling around in the dirt, still sliming up and down plants. I mean, listen, if we're new creatures, we're new creatures. There's no still toying around with the other body, is it? It's one or the other. We're still in the flesh, yes. But as Paul says, we're not under the law because if you have been given to Jesus, if you have given yourself to him, your flesh and its desires have been crucified with Christ. You remember in in Galatians chapter 2? You remember that Paul writes here, for I have been crucified with Christ. Yeah? Have we or not? Yes? Yes? For we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer us that lives, but Christ that lives in us. And it should be showing forth from us who he is. Jesus laid out this plan of how you attain this. He says it in Luke 9, 23. Here's that expectation aspect. Of there is no condemnation, but there is expectation. Luke nine twenty three, Jesus said, Anyone would come after me, let him first do what? Deny himself. So I used this analogy in the first service. So um any of y'all on a diet? Okay, nobody. Okay, one. I don't diet. Uh I just don't like it. I need to. I need to be aware of what I eat and and make healthy choices. But um, I'm not on a diet. My wife is. She's on a diet. No carbs. So last night we had a night free where we could go and uh, and eat a meal together without uh, the distraction of kids. And so we sit, we went to Bentley's in Hartsel, and. uh And Bentley's, they got some good burgers. All right, that's their specialty is burgers. And so the waitress comes to the table, and she says, can I take your order? And my wife said, I'll have a grilled chicken salad, no croutons, (laughs) light ranch. She didn't say it like that, but that's. And she said, for you, sir, I said, yeah, I'm going to have that cheeseburger, pepper jack cheese, and the works. And I want as many fries as you can fit into the basket. <laughs> Self-control went out the window. But if I were to deny myself, and that's, that's, a, that's a practical, everyday look, right? But if I would to deny myself and, and chosen the, the smart, healthy choice there, I, I may have got a salad like she did, right? Or a bowl of fruit. But instead, I, I succumb to what my desires were and I had the burger it was good but I had the burger and so my point is is that there are times in life when we have to make choices on things and and there's all too often that we're choosing the things that our self wants and Jesus here says let him deny himself and then he says this and take up your cross how often daily so we get this idea that we take up our cross once a week right we get this idea that we'll we'll come to church on sunday we'll listen to a message man we'll sing some good music we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk to some people we'll have a cup of coffee we'll do all these things and, and that's all i need to do for the week and so I've taken up my cross that day. I've sacrificed everything that day to come to church, but that's not it. Jesus said here that we are to sacrifice ourselves, to take up our cross daily. And then follow me. I love how when people would come to Jesus, Jesus wasn't just like, oh, yeah, come on. Sure, follow me. It's not what he did at all people would run up to him and say lord lord we want to follow you we want to follow you he say, hold on you better consider the cost associated with it it's not just you come follow me and us walk hoppity skip and step with each other it's that you sacrifice things daily that you uh, th- that you deny yourself daily and then you follow me Anyone would come after me. Let him do those things. And he says, "Forever, who would, would lose or would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it." And then he says these words that should just rattle everything inside of us on a daily basis. For what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world but loses his soul? Was it profit? If he gains everything, I got four minutes. Check this out. A couple of weeks ago, we went to West Palm Beach, Florida. I've never been to West Palm Beach before in my life, but I would love to go back. It is where the elite live. Uh, please understand, I am a poor man, all right? I was staying free in a house down there. I, my costs were, were, were minimal, all right? But we were riding, you know, down through there. I'm looking at $20 million and $30 million yachts, 30 and $40 million homes, I mean, the elite of the elite live down there. In fact, the people that live down there are so cool that uh, they're not even down there during the summertime. They're not even at the beach at the summertime. That's where they go for the off season. So they summer in the Hamptons. They go to West Palm during the cold months up in New York. Y'all with me? That's how elite these people are. Where am I even going with this? I don't even know why I've got on the story. But who cares if those people gained all that stuff and they lose their soul? Who cares if they got $20 million, $30 million yachts? Tiger Woods got a yacht down there. I was was close to it. It was marvelous. But guess what? They don't buy Tiger Woods anything with regards to his eternity and where he will spend eternity. And so can I tell you this today? that It doesn't matter what you've claimed in the past. What matters is how you're living in the day-to-day. And I'm asking you today that if you have claimed to be a follower of Jesus, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, if you have been transformed by what he did on the cross for our behalf, can I ask you to continue to be transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit. Believer, you may be in here today and you think, man, I'm doing all right. I come to church on Sundays. I got a little devotion I do during the week, but are you constantly being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Is it shining forth through you these characteristics that he lists out here, this love and this joy and this peace and this kindness and patience and gentleness and, and all these things, are they shining forth in our lives? Or are we still struggling with those? If we're struggling with them, listen, he will take them. He says, give them to me. I'll make them right. But man, we're selfishly behind the, str- behind the, sc- the screen trying to manipulate these things and, and put forth this show instead of just surrendering it all to Jesus. And so believer, I'm asking you to not stay where you are today. Don't just be content with staying where you are. Yes, we should come to Jesus just as I am, but we do not stay where we were. We should constantly be Evolving into what he has created us to be. And so, believer, I'm asking you today to stand up and say, Hey, I will not stay there anymore. I will strive to submit myself and surrender myself to what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of me. And then, non believer, can I ask you today, if you don't know Jesus, if you have not given yourself to him, Can I ask you today to make the best decision in your life, to surrender your life to Him, give yourself to Him. There may not be anybody that stands up at the front while they sing the last song today, but there are two pastors that will stand right over there and multiple people in this room that will help you. If you're looking to find Jesus this morning, will you look one of us up and come see us, and we will do everything we can to help you give your life to Him. Would you pray with me? Father, we bow ourselves before you today, God, understanding you are our hope, our refuge, our very present help in times of trouble. And God, whether we are believers in here today or non-believers, God, we experience trouble on a daily basis. But God, I am so thankful today that you are our help in those times of need. So, Father, today I'm asking you that you would move in our lives today in a, in a mighty way, in a powerful way, that you would take um, what has, has been presented today as the truth of your gospel. And I pray that you would cause it to, to, to just sit so soundly on our souls this morning. God, that you would help us to understand that we are hopeless without you, but through you, Father, you have made us more than conquerors and you have enabled us and empowered us to live through your Spirit. And God, we are not limited in that power. same power that, that rested on the heads of those at Pentecost is the same power that indwells us today, that lives in us today. And, Father, we've been guilty of just nullifying that and saying, yeah, it's good enough what we have, but it's not, Father. We need to acknowledge the power of you in us and to live a life every day of growing in who you are and what you've called us to be. So I pray now, God, that you would give those that are believers and are followers of you the strength to surrender to you today, to say, I lay it all down before you, God. I understand that I'm selfish. And in my flesh, God, that I am strong in that. But, Father, I want to lay it before you because I want to be weak in the flesh so that your spirit can indwell powerfully in me. And for those who don't know you today, God, I pray that you would wreck their hearts this morning. And you would not let them leave this building until they find someone who can present the hope that is in Jesus. God, most of all, I pray that you have been glorified and honored in everything that we have done and said and we've preached and sang this morning. And as we sing another song, God, I pray that you are lifted up and glorified and that your name is sang proudly and given glory that it deserves. So we do that now and we ask your blessings on it. We thank you for Jesus in his name.